Welcome to Uncontained, episode 192. I'm your host, Aaron Static Render, and, uh, well, this weekend on the 29th of February, Uncontained turned four years old. Thank you to everybody that's been with the show since the start, and welcome to everybody who has uh, joined along the way or uh, just listening for the first time today. Hopefully there's a few of you out there. And, uh, yeah, four years 192 episodes, including this one, and uh, counting. So this one, our fourth year anniversary, I have Chris Heron, also known as Faust. He is a magic pantomime who has a throwback style. He takes it back to, say, the 1920s, early 1900s with a parlor style of magic. And uh, for those of you who don't know, it's a closer up close, more intimate style of magic that he likes to perform. So um, think of it as having him perform magic in your living room. He's not actually coming to your living room, but maybe it could be arranged. I don't know. But uh, Chris is on the show today. He does break character. So uh, yeah, it's not just me asking questions. He does talk. Otherwise, that would be a very boring interview. But this interview is far from boring. We cover how he got into magic and uh, how battling cancer at 35 kind of forced him out of magic for a while, but also inspired him to create this character Faust and perform magic on a much larger scale. Chris is a member and castle knight at the world-famous Magic Castle in Hollywood. Also, he's performed on Jeff McBride's Wonderground in Los Vegas and won the first prize in season one of Culture Clash, uh, Vegas Magic Edition. And uh, recently, and as you'll find out in this episode, he's been contacted by America's Got Talent. So hopefully we'll see him on national television sometime soon. But I wouldn't be doing my job as a podcaster if I didn't say, please subscribe to Uncontained in your favorite podcast player. And also check me out online, Facebook, Instagram, and even Twitter from time to time at Uncontained Pod on those. And UncontainedPod.com is where you can always find the show as well. Now let's jump into my conversation with magician Chris Heron, who will be performing live at Lucky Chances Casino every month now. It's a once a month show kicking off March 28th. It's called The Magic Speak Easy. So if you are in the Bay Area, make sure you check that out. Uh, you can find out more information at chrisheronmagic.com or check out his social media, which will be in the show notes. This is my conversation with Chris Heron, a.k.a. Faust. Welcome to Uncontained. And how are you doing this morning, man? Thank you. Thank you very much. First, you know, thank you for having me on your show. And I'm doing real good, and uh, I'm I've been looking forward to talking with you and sharing some stories for sure. Yeah, yeah, dude, I'm looking forward to it too. So your your style of magic is kind of a throwback, as I mentioned in the intro. Um, you use pantomime and magic, and it has like kind of like a I don't know. I'm just gonna throw out a date and say like a 1920s feel to it. Yes, I could be <laughs> off by a decade or two either way. Oh, you're right. You're, <laughs> I mean, you're dead on. Um, 
So pantomime is is something that was you know developed, I think, in terms of its modern form in the 18th century. But I, you know, from my research and from what I'm trying to uh, resemble in the style of magic, goes back to the early 1900s okay. of just performing, you know, in people's houses. And that type of magic was called parlor magic. So it's not big stage and it's not very close, but it's kind of like in between and, and, and still intimate. So that's kind of why your stage set from the videos that I saw looks kind of like a living room. Right. And and so parlor actually means, you know, a living room of, of, uh, of types, you know. Okay. All right. Very cool. So with, uh, just to get a little insight on how you came into this style of magic with like all the David Blaine's and like, uh, all the big like shows in Vegas or whatever, what made you decide to go with this smaller, more intimate, uh, less like Carbonero effect style of magic? Well, I, I think, you know, going way back, I was used to you know, watching the big stage Vegas magic. And I never really had any ambition to um, actually perform at, at any level. Um, but I did do like kids shows when I was younger. Okay. And what I found was, is I liked that sort of interaction with people. And, you know, when you're on the big stage, it's more like a presentation or, or a theater and you have that fourth wall kind of separating you from the audience. And um, what I enjoyed was is when the, the magician would interact with you. And so when I did kids shows, that was the type of things that I would do is kind of get up close, but then step back and and do a presentation of, of whatever it was I was doing. Okay. All right. So how, how old were you when you first got into magic and what was the draw to magic? You know, when I was about, I would say, six or seven, um, my grandmother would tell me stories of, of these magical beings that existed in Philippine folklore. So my imagination was already vivid back then. But, okay, my, you know, that was an influence. And then my mom kind of gave me my first magic book when I was around 12 years old. And, I, you know, and, and that really intrigued me. And, um, you know, throughout my life, I, I really couldn't tell you why I gravitated towards magic. But what I could tell you is, is that it just kind of came natural. But again, I didn't really have that ambition like a lot of people did was to, you know, be on that stage performing big magic. You know, yeah, I enjoyed it. You know, very cool. So. Um, uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of some good magic questions. Or actually, let's talk about the folklore uh, that uh, your grandma told you a little bit. Then we'll come back to the magic. Like, did she talk about the yeah. uh, Aswang and like uh, stuff like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it seems, it seems th- like you know your your folklore. Then definitely, I, I know a little bit from guests. I interviewed. Uh, like you mentioned that you watched uh, or listened to an episode with. Uh, uh, the Haunted Bay people uh, yeah. who went around and like visited haunted areas. Well, one of those guys from that show also made made a made a movie called Vampiria, which uh, he's Filipino and he focuses on uh, the the legend of the Aswang. And yeah. uh, like, I, 
saw that movie and i was like whoa that vampire just like splits in half and like uh like shoots out yeah. like a venom tongue like the marvel <laughs> character venom not full of venom but <laughs> it's like right. wow that, that's creepy i always thought like uh you know like count dracula when i thought of dracula growing up by von tusak your blood type thing and like <laughs> just to see there's other aspects of vampire lore out there is kind of cool yeah, I think I think you know we would find similarities in in these you know folkloric uh, uh, characters that are mentioned. But you're right, Aswang is definitely you know a version, I guess, of the vampire. Yeah. But you know that the the one character that my grandma had told me about was is there was a was a guy I guess and he had this book and and this book was sort of like magical. And this book wasn't necessarily just to be read, was what she said. She said that she this this old man could place this book on the ocean, and basically the the book would act like a surfboard and carry him across the water. That's her explanation, you know. Okay. That, from what I can recall, no, the the I, I bring that up because in my current act, I have a magical book, and so. I was kind of thinking about what she told me as a young boy. And I tried to implement a sort of illusion that kind of alluded to a magic book, you know? So, and, and so that, that's the kind of influence I had with, you know, these stories is I always try to reference it and, and try to bring, you know, touch on, you know, these stories that I had heard as a, as a kid. Yeah. So, so like how did the, guys surfing on a book inspire the magic book trick because i i watched the thing and you don't like stand and float on the book which would be really cool if you could levitate but (laughs) i'm sure you might have that trick in your back pocket somewhere right i think what you know it wasn't necessarily you know the the fact that he could step on that book but i i i kind of was thinking of the magical properties that book came with you know and she only mentioned one aspect of that book and that was that this book can be sort of like a magic carpet for this man so i asked myself was is if i had a magic book how would that magic book interact with me and, and okay. you, know, how would it, you know what i mean so i wanted you know i didn't want to completely take away from that story but i wanted to you know implement personal um aspects of my own life in, into these uh, magical effects that I do. And if you look at everything that I do in my act, I do try to reference some kind of feeling or experience I had into my act. And, and the magic book is, is, is one aspect. So, you know, I always think what magic power would I have if I could, and it would be definitely to levitate something. And so that's why it became the way it was. That's cool. That's cool. So um, it's tough interviewing a magician because there's so many times you want to ask like, well, how do you make the book levitate? But you can't really (laughs) tell me that. uh, So without having to kill me and my entire audience. So (laughs) no, definitely. (laughs) No, it's, it's you're right. And even if I were to explain, 
you know, on, on the side, on how it would be done. It, it would be difficult to do that without actually showing you these effects. Now, uh, people always ask me, how do you do this? And how do you, how do you do that? And, and I always kind of leave them, I, you know, with the thought that, you know, magic is a, is a form of um, entertainment and it is an art and it, it's kind of best to just leave the mystery be you know yeah so i'm i'm going to rephrase the question just a little bit and maybe you can answer this like how do you go about like approaching learning a new magic trick or a new style of magic is there like a place where you go look is there like a magic book not necessarily the surfing one but just a book full of magic that you can go like find out secrets or what right so it is very difficult to learn um good magic tricks because um i think you know if you had books even the book itself it's very difficult to uh, to translate all that material and some part of you has to make your own assumptions on how to hold something or or the angles or the type of materials to use but if if there's something that you just can't look up on youtube um I'm I'm a member at the Magic Castle in Hollywood. Okay. And and so what what they do really good is is that they have this this library. It's an all-encompassing library on just about every kind of magic trick or magic illusion that you could think of. And as a member, you can go in there and actually research material that dates back all the way to the 18th century. And, you know, if you're really serious about, you know, creating an illusion or learning some sleight of hand, you know, books is probably, you know, the best way to go, really. And then, I mean, if you're an aspiring performer and you really want to take it to another level, you would have to get a mentor or a teacher to actually show you these things. Okay. And, you know, and that's something that, you know, kind of carried me throughout my, you know, magic journey, so to speak, is that I had to seek out a mentor because translating from books to, you know, your own hands is a very difficult process. And I'm a visual learner. And so, you know, once I went, started taking magic classes and then I found a mentor and my mentor's name is Jeff McBride. He lives in Las Vegas and he's quite a legend in magic, you know, and he's performed on the Vegas strip. And I idolized him as a young boy. And, um, it just so happened. He taught classes at a Las Vegas school called the magic and mystery school. Okay. So three years ago, I actually, you know, took my first class there. You know, I never took a class before and that, that experience changed my life, you know, um, he, he said something to me. He said, the only way you can give someone a magical experience is to first experience it yourself. And so I, when, when I walked into this school, and it's basically at his house, he made the whole experience very magical for me, as if we were going through some sort of ritual experience. Okay. And then he went on to share his magic. And then I understood that magic is something that you give to people. It's not just something you perform. And with that approach to magic, it kind of changed 
my style. It changed my whole approach to performing magic to people. And, and I think that's when it started, you know, elevating to this different level of just showing tricks, you know, but, you know, and, and I think you mentioned to me, what advice would I give to, to, you know, someone aspiring to be a magician and, and that would be it is, is to really seek out someone who can also show you these, these tricks, you know, okay. it's very important. Um, I think, you know, even in the, in the, we were talking about folklore too, even in, let's say Merlin or, or someone like that, Merlin had an apprentice and those apprentices learned the, the wisdom from Merlin and, and apprentices sort of carry on that knowledge. So it, it's all in, in, in this sort of history of magic that every master is going to take on an apprentice and that apprentice soon becomes the master. Yeah. But, you know, the, the knowledge is handed down verbally and, and physically, you know, especially for this kind of uh, art form. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. It's like, I I imagine it would be helpful to actually see the trick being done and then let you in on like breakdown, like, okay, this is a sleight of hand. I make this distraction over here. So but the magic is happening over here and uh, all that. So having them like, oh, okay. It's like unlocking the the magic box and having the genie pop out and tell you how to do stuff. Um, not that right. genies are in boxes, but I don't know. That's a bad <laughs> analogy. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, that actually works. <laughs> I think, you know, the greatest thing in magic, though, is, is that you could come up with anything if you have the imagination for it. Now, to apply those techniques and to really make it work, then, you know, obviously you have to commit some time to it. You know, and, and that's what I found in magic is, you know, anyone can do a trick and, and perform it in a certain way. But I think for me, it was about telling the story about, you know, like I, I mentioned to you, the folklore. Yes. Yeah. I, you know, I, the reason why I connected to these characters was not because of the magic itself. It was because of the story of, you know, who this person was. And, and so with Faust, that's what I'm trying to do. You know, I, I, I wanted to tell a story about, you know, a, uh, this sort of fictional character named Faust and why he's doing what he's doing. And um, that to me was very important. And so when people watch my sort of magic, they, they see the magic, obviously, but they see the character too. And, and I believe that it's my job to create that illusion that this character is, is very real and not just some guy you see in a mask, you know, prancing around on the stage or something like that. So I take great care in trying to build that illusion for the audience, you know, like, wow, you know, this guy really looks like someone completely different than, you know, the guy without the mask, you know. Definitely. So the style of the mask, like the the way you put the face on there, is there like a story or a reason behind the expression on the mask? Yeah, you know, um, I always wanted, like I said, I always wanted to tell a story, but, you know, I gravitated towards, you know, these tragic characters who looked very, you know, like monster-like, but they yeah. had very 
very human-like characteristics because I connected with that in a way, you know, um, with that sort of character. His his face kind of, if you really look at it, it kind of resembles Edward Scissorhands. And, <laughs> really? Yeah. I'll have, and, to, I'll have yeah, to look again. Yeah. I like Edward Scissorhands' kind of neutral expression with things like he's almost uh, uh, surprised or 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 just kind of, you know, trying to absorb everything because he's almost seeing something for the first time. And that's what Faust is, you know, and I put some scars on his face to resemble, you know, his tragic past, you know, and so everything was carefully thought out. You know, I wrote a whole life for him and, you know, that way I can understand who he is as a character and how he would respond to the audience and, and, and something like that, because I, I really want this character to be real and, and not again, someone wearing a mask, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's like, I'm sorry. I'm looking, looking up the image to see it. Like it looks at some point kind of, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I see kind of see like the seeing something for the first time, but there's a little death where it almost looks sad in some moments. And yeah. like uh I don't know, but your mannerisms don't necessarily go with the sad. They're kind of like almost I'm trying to explain it, but it's kind of hard. It did remind me of say like the silent films and stuff where you're kind of moving around kind of in the same manner as a Charlie Chaplin or a Buster Keaton in a way, but it's almost like a shy version of them. So it's like, you're kind of like, Oh, should I be out here doing this magic with this floating book? Am I, am I off in that? Or am I I close? You're right on. And I think with Faust, you're right. He's, he's, he comes off melancholy and, and that's for that's a good word. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, I mean, you're right on it. And I think by you saying that, I think the direction and, you know, my approach to Faust is that's what I wanted people to feel. You know, I didn't want to be too overt with it, Yeah. but, but Faust truly is a tragic character. And, you know, if I can tell you how I developed him, he was actually based on parts of my past, not not completely. But when I was 35 years old, I was diagnosed with cancer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and but I'm, I'm, I'm all in the clear now. So that's good. Yeah, it's very good. And you know, I'm very grateful for that. But when I was 35, I was going through cancer, I went through chemotherapy. And, uh, you know, I, I was feeling like very alone, you know, during that time because of, you know, you, you kind of feel like, you know, you're the only one going through it. And just with the treatment and the feeling of, you know, something that you're not in control of, yeah, you know, it, it kind of made me recluse into this little shell, but you know, as I was recovering, I knew I wanted to tell that story of, you know, how I was feeling to how I wanted to, you know, kind of break out of that shell. And I just didn't know how I wanted to express it. And 
about seven years down the road, you know, I had kind of this revelation, like, you know, I need to put this down on paper or something. But what happened was, is I, I thought I was going to write about it, but it, it didn't come out that way. It, it's kind of started gravitating more towards, okay, make a character that kind of uses magic as a platform to communicate these feelings. Okay. And so when I went to that class in Las Vegas at the Magic and Mystery School, um, the mentor I had, we kind of collaborated. I gave him my idea, and he says, okay, well, let's run with it. Let's try it. And so after three years, you know, I was able to implement all those feelings, all those experiences into Faust. And so when Faust performs on stage, he really is a metaphor. Faust is a metaphor for change. He's a daydreamer, and he he really isn't what he you know presents himself to be like this magical being. That's what he daydreams about. That's what he wants to be. Okay. But when he's off stage, he's kind of like this this guy still trying to break out of you know this this shell that he's in. But you know when he comes and meets you, you know you see, and and the magic too. You'll notice that he'll he's not in complete control sometimes. He's almost as surprised <laughs> as you. You know? So yes. you know, I I didn't want this all powerful, you know, um being on stage. I wanted someone who people could relate to and look past the magic and kind of start wanting to get to know the character more than, you know, um this whole idea of show me something, trick me. Definitely. So, like, is there a way that you show how Faust is off stage? Um, like, because you were saying off stage, he, you know, wants to be that magical being, that magical character. Uh, is there? A, does the audience get a look into his off stage persona while on stage? I guess. I guess so. I mean, you know, it's it's very hard to say that you know there are there are no parts of me in Faust. There are definitely, you know, personal experiences that I put into Faust that are my own. And that's how I connect with them. That's how I make it real. Yeah. Because you know, I'm, I'm not really a trained actor and I can't come up with, you know, a completely fictional character. I'm not that great. So, you know, my performance choice was to create this sort of alter ego. But you know, when I'm off stage, you know, I, I definitely am not Faust and, you know, um, and, and that character needs to be separate from me, you know, cause again, he doesn't talk, Yeah. And, you know, but you know, on, on that note in my stage act, I do take off the mask and talk a little bit. Oh, but, okay. Yeah. And, but even then that's a different character than the mask of Faust or the, the, you know, the version of Faust that wears Faust. I kind of wanted to, you know, um, take off the mask to narrate what was going on. Cause it's, it's sometimes people wonder like, what is, you know, what's happening on stage. And so there is a character up there that takes off his mask and kind of guides people through. And, and I, I call him the keeper of Faust you know okay he's he's just there to kind of guide you along and tell you the story of faust 
but even that in itself, I don't see that character as me because he's, he's more of like a, he sees Faust as this sort of valuable piece of collection, you know, that he just wants to present to you or something like that. So kind of like the ringleader of the, of the circus or the ringmaster. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So, so I mean, you know, if people are going to take away what to expect when they see me, they can definitely see, you know, more of a theatrical experience when they watch my magic, but it's a magical experience that, you know, you're definitely going to see magic, you know, coming at you, but you know, what you, what you're seeing is, is, is a story, you know, a story that you can follow or, you know, an experience of meeting Faust as he's on the stage, because he will interact with you through magic. And it's, it's fun. It's melancholy at times, but it's also uplifting you know, when, when you watch and, and that's the cool thing about, you know, being able to do uh, stuff like this is you can take it wherever you want to, you know? Yeah, definitely, man. And I want to go back to a point that you made, like, well, you started talking about the character, about how it's not a hundred percent fictional character. It's uh, has a lot of you in it as well, or at least some of you. And um, I think I've heard like magic compared to comedy a lot, as far as like uh, when in like stand up comedy, it's like if once you do a joke, it's kind of a magic trick. Once people have seen it, it's like, oh, it loses just a little bit of the magic opposed to like a band who can play the same song over and over and over again where people are like, oh, I love this song. People, you know, like uh, what brings them back. But right. like comedy, music and uh, magic, like if you put a little of yourself in there, that's what makes it feel to the audience like they're getting a real experience. You know, that that's what helps connect if you're just writing about or performing things that are like completely superficial, you'll just have a superficial connection opposed to a personal. Right. I think you're right. I mean, you know, as a magician, you can only do so many tricks. And, you know, if if you have people that come and watch you on over and over again, yeah, I think the experience would be kind of diluted because they're seeing the same stuff over and over or mm-hmm. hearing the same jokes over and over. And so that's where, you know, this character, you know, I, I always look at whoever is in the audience, whether it's the same people or not. To me, it's, it, you know, I take that word experience and I try to make them part of the whole magical experience by bringing them into my world and, and not only do I do the magic, I I give them the opportunity to do the magic also, so that uh-huh. you know I'm you know I'm not the only one empowered here. You know I'm not the only one magical. You know part of you know the school of thought that I do when I perform magic is that you know you want to be able to give them that gift as well to be able to do something magical. You know, and and if if that is something that you can do, I think people will, one, have a better time with it. And if they do see that, you know, this trick over and over again, you know, at least it becomes more personal with them 
you know, because it's going to be different. I try to do it organically every time, you know, but yeah. So for me, I, I think it's very important to bring the audience in and make them a part of it rather than me just presenting, you know, this illusion from this stage where they just sit back and watch. I, you know, I try not to do that for the most part, you know, and I want to key in and I'm very aware of everyone's, you know, emotions and who's watching and how they're reacting. So I'll kind of react to that. And, you know, I, I, my thing is, is to really, really focus on them and to give them this gift of a magical or memorable experience. That's really cool, man. That's really cool. So where can people uh, see you? I know you have a show coming up in the uh, Bay area soon. Yeah. So, um, we are having a show at Lucky Chances Casino in Colma, California. And right now it's a once a month event. It's called the Magic Speakeasy. And I'm inviting um, some of my friends um, over in, you know, from the magic community. Um, Cecil and Mighty were on America's Got Talent. So they will be joining me as well as Raul. And what we are doing is, is we're trying to present, you know, um, some world-class magic to the community here in, in, in the Bay Area. And, you know, very different styles of magic. And, uh, you know, we're hoping that, you know, people will come down and, and you know, kind of uh, enjoy this, this sort of um, form of magic. And I can guarantee you that, you know, these uh, magicians were carefully picked because of the contrast um, of styles that we perform. Cool. And, uh, you know, it's, it's very important to me that, you know, people see magic, you know, in different lights, you know, my style of magic in comparison to another person's, you know, you, you mentioned that my, my, my style of magic is, comes off almost melancholy in a way. And I, I definitely touch on those points more than I would with comedy or, you know, high energy forms of magic. So that's what you, you know, you would see in comparison to, you know, the other people that I'm performing with. So the magic speakey speakeasy at Lucky Chances Casino, you know, March 28th. Yeah. I like that name, the magic speakeasy. Uh, very yeah. cool. Takes you back to the 20s again, too, and prohibition with the speakeasies. And very, yeah. very fitting for your style. Now, do you like tour the country or have you, are you mainly in California? Well, where? I, I, yeah, definitely. So I try to travel, um, as much as I can to, to expose people to, you know, my style of magic. So I've been to Portland, um, uh, Las Vegas and, uh, uh, Los Angeles. I, I just came back from this pretty cool uh, variety show out in Hollywood. It's called Scott Neary's booby trap. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and it, you know what it's, I, I get, you know, I, I perform a lot for variety shows, you know, kind of, you mentioned the early 1900s when vaudeville was, you know, at its, at its golden age and you had like 16 or so acts all in one night. I, I do a lot of those types of shows Okay, and it, it's kind of reminiscent of the olden days, but 
Yeah, you know, um, primarily I'll be in Vegas um, doing conventions uh, such as the Magic and Meaning um, conference. It's, you know, primarily for magicians, but also people who just want to learn magic. Um, I'm at the Wonderground in Las Vegas. And if anyone is in L.A., um, the Magic Castle in Hollywood, um, I'm in the cellar and and basically that's a little area where members can perform, you know, on any given night. And you'll see me downstairs practicing new material and stuff like that on a, on a regular basis. Very cool, man. Very cool. I'll have to, I'll have to get out to the magic castle at some point, get down to LA and check it out. Cause I actually had uh, somebody else on my show that uh, was either a junior member or cause there, there's two different levels of members, right. As far as performing like the introductory yeah. and, his name was Aaron O'Brien. Um, yeah, I know Aaron. We, you we know Aaron? Yeah, we performed at Celebrities of Magic in uh, Bakersfield. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's been on the show before. And uh, so like when you started talking about the Magic Castle, I was like, I wonder if he knows him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a small community, definitely. Yeah. So junior members is, means that they're not over 21, I believe. Okay. Yeah, and and actually, if you're a junior member, it's 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 really quite difficult to be part of that group because they really scrutinize. I think with all members, we all have to audition just to uh, become members of the Magic Castle, but they really scrutinize the junior members. Yeah, he, he said there was like a passing phase, like you had to be passed into like a like regular member or like a senior member. I don't know. I don't know the correct terminology of the Magic Castle. I apologize, but no. uh, <laughs> it's all good, man. but it's all good. it'd be cool to check out uh, check out the Magic Castle after hearing so much about it. I've seen it on some like movies and stuff like that too. So. Well, you have my personal invitation to come. You know, you just let me know when you're ready to come, and I, I can definitely, you know, arrange a tour of the castle for you, if not personally, um, with someone else as well. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Yeah. All right, man. So, all right. So your show uh, every month at the Lucky Chances Casino in Colma, California, and it is The Magic Speak Easy, and you can check that out. Is it going on February, too, or? Um, no, March 28th, and then, you know, we'll have at least once a month um, in, in April, then oh, in May. Is that when it's it's starting, March? Yes, yeah, so this will be our, our very first event Okay. Um, starting March 28th. And then, you know, we'll continue on and we'll we'll kind of see how it goes from there. All right. Very cool. So if you're in the Bay Area or able to travel to the Bay Area, make sure you check that out. Now, I have like the five questions that I ask all my guests coming up. You've kind of answered some of them a little bit, but I'm going to ask them to you anyway and see if you come up with different answers. So the first part is uh, the very most basic question of them all but it's like what advice do you have for somebody who is looking to get into i'll just throw it out, out as magic i won't narrow it down so specifically to just your genre so what advice do you have for somebody who is looking to get started out in magic um the first advice is probably the biggest one that you know if you really want to take magic to you know a professional level then i would say find a mentor that is you know compatible to you 
and because that mentor is going to give you advice and experience and and actually show you these you know complicated sleight of hands um, that you really can't just translate from a book too easily but when I um, got a mentor that really catapulted my skill level and my understanding for the business and you know if you really want to take it professionally, then I, I think you should cover all the bases and find yourself a man, mentor that's compatible to you. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. And I was just thinking like how, like getting started, are there like uh, um, magic open mics type things? Like, you know, comedy has open mics where anybody can go get up on stage, try out new material or, or just try out stand up comedy. Uh, is there something similar like that in the uh, magic world? If, yeah, if, if you're definitely, you know, um, all new to the magic community, I think, being part of a local magic club is a great start. That's something that I did. And uh, they're all over the place with uh, uh, the Society of American Magicians or International Brotherhood of Magicians. They have local chapters everywhere, all over the world. And I think, you know, you'll find that they do these sorts of local, you know, in-house um, performances and, and competitions. And I think, you know, if you really want to dabble into that, then I would, I would try that first. Um, and, you know, and, and go from there. Okay, cool, man. Well, thank you for uh, sharing that. Um, now what currently uh, besides this podcast are you doing to promote yourself and Faust? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's really, it's really been busy. I think my approach is, you know, outside of um, doing the interviews and um, going through promotions with, you know, um, the newspapers, I think just getting out there, you know, I've been on the road and performing basically everywhere that, you know, anyone will let me. Because I think the one thing, you know, people... Um, will want to see is, you know, I can talk about how I perform and about this character Faust, but until you see it, I don't think you're necessarily going to get it. And so if you've seen me out there, like I was just in LA and then I was at the magic castle in the cellar uh, performing. And that's my way of at least promoting myself. And, and this show is by actually hitting the road and just showing what you can do. And people will kind of uh, get it, whether they want to see more or not, you know, and, and, and that's how I've been doing it. Okay. So kind of relying a little bit on word of mouth to help spread too. like people come see your show. I just saw this uh, Faust character and uh, you should check it out, man. If you're sharing it with the friends who um, haven't experienced it yet. So very cool, man. That's always a really good way to go because people will pay way more attention to word of mouth from somebody they know than scrolling through Instagram and seeing like, oh, there's this guy, Fow, so he's coming here. Well, uh, maybe <laughs> might be cool to see, but I don't know if I'll get off my couch. I might just Netflix it tonight. You know, getting people to put getting people to put pants on and go outside is difficult nowadays. <laughs> right. right, you're right, and you know what? The, and and I do the YouTube, I do Vimeo and stuff like that. And I think even still, it's different. 
you know, to see me on, on the YouTube and performing a, a, a piece, but to see me live, you know, is different than seeing me on YouTube. I think even for me, you know, the impression is, is different because again, I, I go for that organic interaction with people. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, it's, it's kind of like watching a comedian on stage, you know, and when he's doing it in front of you, man, you're really feeling those jokes, you know, and, and it, it's, it's much more fun that way. And so, yeah, I, I do do the videos and stuff like that to promote myself, but, but I really, really do believe that you just got to perform and get out there and, and really do it that way. Great, great, man. That's, that's awesome. And yeah, there's nothing that compares to the like intimacy of seeing a live performance, you know, and it's like you can, there are some really great uh, videos that come across as like almost feeling live, but like when you get into that experience in person, whether it's a band, a comic, a magician, or I, I don't know what else, a psychic reader, uh, I'm just throwing things out there now. They're better in yeah. person, you know? <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right, you know, because it's an experience, you know. And um, I, I think it's it's just it's just more personal and people are more inclined to connect with you if, if you're right there in front of them. You know, I think it's, it's, it's a hard medium to just record something and let people watch it and kind of get it. You know, um, and I mean, if you look all over my Instagram, you'll see this guy in a mask. And, you know, if I was going to see that, I I wouldn't quite completely get it. And, you know, I'm not necessarily, you know, um, you know, I wasn't necessarily into mimes or clowns for that matter, you know, when I first started. So there might be people like that, that they'll just judge you off of your, you know, surface. But, yeah. you know. There's more to it than, you know, this face, you know what I mean? You mean mean people judge you off the surface in social media? No way. No way. No way. (laughs) This guy right here in a mask, yeah. (laughs) They don't don't look deeper on social media, unfortunately. Why should I? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. My expectations are too high. I'm sorry. No, you're right. Uh, it's just the nature of the beast, man. Uh, yeah. But all right. So um, what is a hardship that you've had to deal with? Like, and that, that you may have turned into a positive or learned a valuable lesson from. Yeah. If, if I may, I got two of them. Go for oh, it. Man. So I, I mentioned I had cancer. Now, when I, when I was 35, I gave up magic because of cancer, because I had these sort of Parkinson-like tremors in my hand and I couldn't handle anything, you know? Um, So I just kind of, I I still loved magic. I watched it and and all that. And, and I kind of just fed, you know, um, my mind with, you know, magic because I enjoyed it. But, you know, thinking back, back then, I never thought that really, horrible experience would lead to creating a character that has somewhat led my magic career or, you know, given my magic career, some sort of energy and new inspiration. So, you know, that, that would be one obstacle. Like, 
you can take the worst situation that you've gone through and you know if you just kind of embrace it and you know accept that it was horrible you know it, it yeah. might turn into something positive and at least for me it did you know and so yeah you know that's that's my personal obstacle that i i kind of turned into something positive that's a big one man and you know it's like you never know what you can handle though and persevere over until you're dealt with it like when i was 27 i've mentioned this on my podcast before i went blind in my right eye uh due to essentially what is a stroke of the retinal artery uh had a blockage of it due to something called homocysteine which is a hormone that makes your blood clot and yeah, if you would have told me before that that oh you're gonna go blind in one eye, I'd be like, no, that's gonna be the end of the world. Um, right. But you know, basically, I just bump into stuff more. <laughs> but I... <laughs> that that's nothing wrong with that. I I I do that with two eyes, you know. <laughs> so... I know. I, I I'm sure I did it with two eyes too. But now I have an excuse. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't see you. I'm blind in my right <laughs> eye. Uh, but you know, it's kind of like once you're faced with that situation, you somehow find a way to deal with it because it's like you can either sit in the corner and cry about it and feel bad for yourself which sometimes you might need to do that for a brief period of time but then make the decision to come out of that corner and make the best of what you have and that sounds like what you did right yeah and absolutely i think you know you just never know what you know where inspiration can come from and it might even that sort of obstacle might even push you yeah further than where you were at and because prior to that experience for me i i had no ambition to perform or be creative on this level you know i mean i'll be honest you know it was the furthest thing from my mind but when i went through that it, it definitely you know i can sit here and sulk about it and recluse or yeah you know, or i can do something with it and and that's what kind of led Exactly. And it like, in a way, gave you inspiration for the character. So like gave you something to pull from an experience in life, yeah. you know, and um, it's not always easy to find the the silver lining. Right, right. And it's, it's just a mystery. And that that's really what magic is, is it's a mystery. You don't know, you don't know if it's going to come or not. And, and fortunately, it came from both of us, I, I would assume. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And it gives you an option to make something more personal as well. Yeah. Um, so what what is your uh, second uh, hardship that you dealt with? Cancer is a big one. Yeah. <laughs> What's the second? So that one was, you know, I, I always refer to that as the personal obstacle. But I think, you know, if anyone's out there, you know, even on the performance level and, and a lot of the more active performers would give you the same sort of experience. But yeah, you know, not not everything you know, when you're performing, not everything goes as planned, you know. So there was one obstacle when I was performing, you know, at a club and my music just went completely out, you know, and I rely on music <laughs> as a, a big part of my act to kind of set a tone, you know. Yeah, I can imagine with no words. Right. <laughs> right. So I, you know, so when it went out, I literally had to do my closing act silent like without no sound just me up there in a mask and my prop and you know rather than panic i you know followed suit and and i just did the act and 
I interacted with the crowd a little bit and, you know, of course, improvised. But, you know, I came off the stage really shaken because I was, you know, I had prepared so much for a music-driven piece. And I, you know, I didn't really plan for that to happen. However, every time now, you know, um, every time I perform, I always have it in the back of my head that something like that might happen. And I always prepare for those moments. So I took that experience and I really, you know, um, uh, you know, kind of looked at my act at different angles and said, okay, what if this happened? What if that happens? And I think that kind of made me a better performer, you know, because I went through that experience. And, you know, for performers out there, you know, it's going to go bad. If not now, it will go bad, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know that. Yes. And, and so, um, if you know, you can only prepare so much, but I took that obstacle and, and I made it into a positive. That's awesome. And, you know, working, doing things in the entertainment world and things go wrong like that, it actually helps prepare you for things in life as well. Like, because it helps you develop the mentality like, okay, this just happened. The show has to continue. What can I do to make this work instead of dwelling on like, oh, crap, there's no music. There's no music. Nobody's going to like this. There's no music. You have to be like, okay, what can I do to make this still entertaining and move forward? You know, right. where, where, what will solve this problem or make it less? Right, right. It, it's definitely something to reflect on in your own performance, yeah. whatever you're doing. What if this? What if your mic goes out? You know, what do you do? You don't have to worry about the mic going out. That's a that's a that's a nice thing about right. about that. Right, and it happens often. You know, at least with uh, some performers that I've worked with. You know, sometimes the mic is just feeding back just way too hard, or you know, you yeah. just gotta you, you gotta work those things out. You know, um, and and those are going to be obstacles that occur constantly. You know. All right, so let's switch this up a little bit and go with what is a highlight that you care to share with the uncontained audience. Uh, it doesn't have to be the highlight of your career because that's kind of a I don't know a, right. a dick question to ask. But <laughs> what is a highlight that you care to share? Just something that's like, oh, dude, this was awesome. Yeah, you know. So one, I never expected to go on this this sort of journey in in this craft, right? So I've only really been doing it professionally for three years. And so, you know, you just kind of go into it blindly, you know, head on, just performing, performing and and doing your thing. And the one thing that kind of really inspired me even further, even though I don't know if it's going to take off anywhere, was that I, I made videos, you know, just randomly and just really putting myself out there. Well, just, I would say, a couple months ago, this producer from America's Got Talent um, emailed me. Oh, nice. And, yeah, you know, and I was kind of skeptical. I'll be honest. You know, he, he introduced himself and he said, hey, I'm this guy from America's Got Talent. And I would like to um, film you because you, you know, I've seen a couple of your videos and you, you would look good for our opening sequence for season 15. And I'm like, oh, this guy, you know, this guy's another scam, you know. So, but 
deep down inside, I'm like, you know what? I got to confirm it, you know? Yeah. So, you know what I mean? I just was curious on that level. I was like, what if? What if I just ignore it, you know? But anyways, I did contact him and it was all confirmed. You know, he says, look, we think you'd be a good face uh, for for America's Got Talent. We want to do some filming. And in return, you don't have to wait in, in the huge line of people. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. So I, I didn't have any, you know, I didn't think I was going to audition or anything like that. But I went down there. I filmed. It was a great experience. I auditioned. I'll find out this month whether I go to the second stage. But for me, you know, what I took away from that whole experience is, is that, you, you know, you just do your thing, you know. And, and even though it's not a big highlight and there's no guarantee I'll be on TV or make it to the next stage, for me, it just reconfirmed um, that if you just don't put yourself out there to be vulnerable with your art and to allow people to see your art, you just don't know where it's going to lead. Yeah. And, you know what I mean? And I didn't know that I was going to go on this, you know, journey to America's Got Talent and film. And, you know, I sat there reflecting like, wow, you know, three years ago, I, you know, I didn't have magic in the back of my head at all. And here I am now filming this character that all started back to when I had cancer. And I, I somewhat reflect and, you know, and it brings a tear to my eye. Like, you know, you just don't know. Life is a big mystery, but you really got to just go out there and just go on that journey blindly. And, you know, that's, that's my highlight, man. That that's awesome, dude, and I look forward to uh, hearing uh, some updates on America's Got Talent. And and once you're on there, I'll look positively. Uh, you'll have to come back after after you win it all, um, <laughs> and and talk on the show. All right. Yeah. And uh, I do have like I have two more questions for you here before yeah. before we get out of this. This sec- this next one you kind of answered a little bit already too, but uh, maybe you want to elaborate on it. It's what do you want your audience to take away when they see you as Faust? Well, you know, I, I definitely, first and foremost, I want everyone to have fun and just, you know, kind of uh, submit to the whole story of Faust. You know, I mean, there are two ways you can watch magic and, and the first way is to sit there and analyze it, which is fine. You can do that. But what I'm hoping is, is that I'm hoping that you will take the time to just kind of let it all absorb. Because what I hope to do in you as a performer is is to give you this magical experience or a, a memorable experience while you're watching Faust. Okay. And on a, on, a, on a higher level, you know, I hope that you'll just have fun and be inspired by by what Faust is and what he's trying to do up there. And, you know, that's it, you know. Very cool, man. Yeah, sometimes I'll admit. Sometimes I do analyze. I'm, I wonder how he did that trick. I wonder, like, uh, like was there, there like a string somewhere or like something like that. Uh, but it's the times when you are able to like suspend your belief in reality or like uh, that and just let it happen and experience it as like an illusion. Um, that's when it's kind of like you just let the wonder 
uh, sat in, you know, just enjoy yeah. it. Yeah, and- I, it's definitely, you know, just enjoy it, you know, and um, you probably know how it's done. Maybe, you know, when you see a trick, but, you know, when, when you come to see me, just, just, you know, try, try to, you know, indulge in the whole mystery of it all. Indulge in the mystery of all. I I like that. That might even be the title of the title of the episode. Uh, maybe, maybe. Uh, <laughs> all right, Chris. It's been great talking to you today. I do have one more question for you, but before I get to that question, where can people find you on the internet? What is your uh, corner of the World Wide Web? Yeah, so you can find me on Chris Heron Magic um, dot com. Um, I'm also on social media, um, Chris Heron as Faust on Instagram and Chris Heron as Faust on Facebook. You can look me up. My videos are are on there. My upcoming show is going to be at Lucky Chances Casino in Colma, California, and it's called The Magic Speakeasy. And, you know, March 28th, you'll find me with other performers and you know, um, I encourage you guys to, to really come out and, and see me if you guys want to see some, uh, you know, pretty good magic, very different from what you normally see. That That's a that's a modest pitch. Come out and see some pretty good magic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, OK. All right, man. It is yeah. time for that title question of the show. I appreciate you once again making time to uh, talk to me today. And Chris. Heron, a.k.a. Faust, how do you live uncontained? You know, you got to be inspired. You cannot be afraid to show that that little weirdness or vulnerability about who you are. And, you know, the way I live uncontained is I just go on the magic journey and I just let it happen. You you will never know how things are going to be unless you just take that first step on that path and you never know where it's going to lead. But I can assure you the, the whole experience is, is going to surprise you and it's going to be filled with mystery and, and a lot of memorable, memorable moments for you. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, man. I have one final thing for you to do, Chris, and that is sign off the show. Would you do me the honor of signing off the show today? Absolutely. My name is Chris Heron as Faust, and I live uncontained. And that does it for another episode of Uncontained. Thank you for listening, and thank you to Chris for joining me on the show today. Also, please support the show. Go to uncontainedpod.com. Click that that Amazon banner at the top of the page. Or if you need some Uncontained merch to complete your wardrobe, you can check us out at tpublic.com. And I got Uncontained shirts, Uncontained uh, coffee mugs, You can't go wrong with that. Uh, So check it out. Support the show. Tell a friend about it at the very least. And uh, yeah, we got more great shows coming up for you here on Uncontained. And we will be back at you. Next episode will be Antonio C.T. 
Yes, a filmmaker, a return guest to the show. So we'll catch up with him. So make sure you are clicking that subscribe button so you get the notification when the show comes out directly to your podcast player of choice. Thank you once again for listening and make sure you check out Chris's contact information, his social media in the show notes. It's all there. And don't forget about the magic speakeasy. Yes, March 28th at Lucky Chances Casino in Colma. And until next time, live uncontained.